I'd like to take his his face off. Yes. You want to take his face? Yes. His face off. The eyes, nose, skin. Face. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Welcome back, friends of the show. It's another week. Another week. Um, I think we should address a significant issue um, in the world at the moment yeah. around Facebook. Okay. Um, as you've probably read, particularly in the US and the UK, less so here, mm. there's been a lot of backlash, um, a lot of rows. Actually, yeah, I've heard about the boycott and shit, but I haven't what? really been. Oh, no? Well, no, I'm just talking. They've taken away the big blue thumb. Oh, <laughs> that's true. It drives me nuts. Why have they taken away the big blue thumb? Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, in Facebook Messenger, when you hold your the thumbs up thing, if you hold your finger on it for a while, it turns into a big thumb. It grows. The thumb but if you, hold it, if you hold it too long, it explodes. It goes back to a little yeah, thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therein it's lies the game and it's yeah. very satisfying when you get the big thumb in yeah, there. Yeah, You're like, that's the biggest it could have been. They've taken it away. They've taken it away. Boycott Facebook, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> for that T- and other take reasons. Take away your ad spend. Yeah. For, for that and maybe potentially definitely more significant reasons. Yeah. Speaking mm. of thumbs and faces and body parts, yeah, we're doing face off. We're doing face off. Can we, before we dive into the movie, give a shout out to our de facto sponsor this episode? Oh, big time. Shout out to Juniper Estates Wines, our friend of the show, Rob Carroll. Carell, I don't know how you say it because it's spelt similar to my name, it which is. can go either way. We're drinking a delicious juniper cab sav. It's a real um, treat. From his very uh, winery, vineyard, I suppose. Yeah, uh-huh. Beautiful part of the world, Margaret River. Mm-hmm. Not many better places in my experience. Agree. Uh, so we'll also plug the Margaret River. This wine is a delicious treat. He sent this to us. He sent this to us, friend of the show. Yeah, like best friend of the show. Best B- friend of the show, yeah. BF. BFF. Of the show. BFFOTS. Yeah, yeah. Befots. <laughs> Status claimed. We cheers you, sir. Cheers, Rob. Legend. We appreciate it. And well, it's a fine drop. It is. And we've hammered through it, so we're a bit loosey-goosey. Left yeah. the car at home tonight. And side note, Seymour's eating a cow's ear, so if there's any crackling <laughs> on the track, that was right on it's cue. It's the open <laughs> fire. It's the open fire slash the cow's ear. It's the cow's ear. So face off. Mm, face off. 97 John Woo. Action extravaganza. Yeah. Can I can I just say Wow. What a picture. Took me by the surprise, grabbed me by the ears and dunked me. <laughs> Anyone that was listening last week would know that Greg actually hadn't seen this movie. So we got there's a lot to unpack here. But before we do, yes. nineteen ninety seven was quite a year, wasn't it? Nineteen ninety seven was quite a year. Mm. Um so now you probably, Tristan, you'll know what I'm talking about, and I'm sure many friends of the show will remember mm. the comic strip. Switcheroo of no, 97, no. also known as the Great Comic Switcheroonie. No, I don't know. Or the Great 
April Fool's Day comic switcheroonie. No, neither do I. Ah. But I found it. It was a massive practical joke. Classic. Classic. Where several comic strip writers, cartoonists. Yeah. Um, Switched faces. Without the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Garfield. <laughs> face off. Uh, so, like, you know, like Garfield and Haggard. Haggard? I've got to be honest with you. With these. Do these newspaper comics? I'm not. I don't, I don't know. know any of them. And there was a list. So, look, there was 50 or so cartoonists who. Submitted works on behalf of the other cartoonist and yeah. pretended to be that thing. Oh, wow. That's very Deadpool-esque. It's very oh, meta. Oh, it's a meta. Look, according to Wikipedia or whatever site I was on, <laughs> it's considered one of the Comment section of Pornhub. <laughs> dark place. Uh, apparently. <laughs> it is considered one of the all-time greatest switcheroos. Really? Masterminded by strip creators... Rick Kirkman and Jerry Scott, creators of the Baby Blues Daily Newspaper comic strip. So that happened, which, you know, the old switcheroo. Interesting. It was a hot um, topic that year, I suppose. It is because I've got a few more. Oh. Yeah, a little bit more in the meta space, but uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. He put on and starred in a photo-negative produ- production of Othello, obviously the Shakespeare classic where the uh, lead character is uh, black, Othello is black. Yeah. Um, so he started as a white Othello with a black cast. Oh, so photo negative, not literally. Like it's more just they've inverted. Yeah. They, yeah, okay. They well, interesting. inversion. Because I was thinking, oh, did they? No, no was, no. It, was, it a, was it a Shakespearean <laughs> blackface? Yeah. No, it was not. Okay. And uh, last but not least, Alex Trebek. Trebek. Alex Trebek and Pat Sajak, Sajak um, who was apparently the co-host of Wheel of Fortune over there. He's like their baby John Burgess. Ah, okay. Um, swapped places on Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune as an April Fool's Day what? joke. What? Am I on the wrong channel here? What am I What watching? is doing? Whoa. Crazy the, guys. The earth spun off its axis. <laughs> Can you? What is with all this swapping in 97? Oh, oh what um, a hot topic. Crazy. Well, what was the timing? Because maybe this was a fa- in response to Face Off. Maybe. Or Face Off was inspired by Trebek and... Um, well, that was those two were on April, so... April first, so yeah. Whatever. Oh yeah, good point. So yeah, April that... falls typically falls. Depends on the moon, I suppose. Yeah, it's tidal. Yeah, spinal. Uh, big year for big year for the old switcheroo. Big year for pictures, also. Top ten movies in nineteen ninety seven. Let's get into it. We don't cover it often, so I'm going to go through the full top ten. The number one movie in nineteen ninety seven was Titanic. The number two movie was The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Number three, Men in Black. Number four, Tomorrow Never it's Dies. Number five, Air Force One. Number six, As Good as It Gets. Number seven, Liar Liar. Keep going. Number eight, My Best Friend's Wedding. Number nine, Les Cinq Elements. Ah. Number ten, The Full Monty. Oh, yeah. But there was quite a switcheroo picture in 1997 that didn't quite scrape into the top ten, but it did scrape into the top 13 at number 13, and that movie is Face Off. This came out in June 1997. That uh-huh. sounds familiar. It's around the same time that Con Air came out and it's the year after The Rock came out. Oh, he's flying. He's flying. It's a couple years after he won the Best Actor Oscar. I feel like he's been legitimised and it's like, I'm going to go do some crazy shit yeah. now. 
and and that's where he got to. Budget of eighty million dollars, gross of two hundred forty-seven million dollars, a quarter of a billion dollars. It's not a it's not a small picture by any means. Didn't crack the top ten that year, but what a so year! Just a big year, well, I suppose. Titanic, Titanic, billion-dollar movie. MIBs was huge. Yeah, the MIBs was huge. Hey, this one might shock you. Rotten Tomatoes score of ninety-two percent for Face Off for, for critic score. Uh huh. An audience score eighty-two percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I did actually look this time. Um, you know, usually it's the part where I say, "Was it, is this a big movie for you, Greg?" And this time around, you're going to say, "Well, I, I haven't seen it before." So why don't I go first? Um, it'll be a quick one because it wasn't a huge movie for me growing up. But I only saw this movie maybe five years ago. It was a bit of a gap in my repertoire. Uh, 1997. I, I didn't see it in the movies. Yeah. And I don't know why because Con Air came out the same year, and we both saw that. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. I think I didn't see it in cinema. So by the time it came out on whatever, I was probably well into film student Tristan and just kind of just wasn't at the top of the list. Um, yeah. But then I think as the years went on, I was just like, oh, why have I never seen Face Off? And then. I just assumed I had. <laughs> well, I've had that with a couple of our movies. Remember Demolition Man? I just thought I'd seen it and then I watched it. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what happened to me. Yeah. I, well, no, I, I kind of thought, I realised when we started talking about it that I might actually hadn't seen it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's essentially my, my, my history of this movie. I only watched it a few years ago, but I thought, hey, we, we talked about this. When I, when I found out that Greg hadn't seen this before, we thought, hey, let's think ahead. Yeah. Let's get Greg to capture what he thinks this yes. movie is going to be about and we can compare and contrast. Yeah. Uh, we call this Greg's Plot Prediction. So, Greg, you actually sent me a voice I message. I sent you a voice message. I thought I'd, I'd get some audio happening. So we're going to play this voice message. Yes, and caveating, or oh, sorry, confirming. I hadn't started any research, hadn't watched anything. He hadn't started, no, nothing. Nothing, nothing. And let's just see how close I got. Troy's a career criminal with the heart of gold. Troy is Nicolas Cage and he's the good guy and he has to do one last heist because his last one with the Russians or the Chinese or whatever went bad, went south. So he has to get out of it and he's got to do one last job to get out of it. But he has to engage with Evan. Evan is John Travolta and he has to do that but he doesn't want to because this guy's really bad. He's a psychopath. He's a psychopath. So... He engages Evan. Evan's like cocky and like swashbuckling and scary. He's calm, but you know, he's crazy. So they go to work and stealing all this military equipment. It's like, it's like fighter jets and stuff. And a, and a heli- there's a, definitely a helicopter in this movie. And I think they have a fate. Oh, yes. So it all happens. Evan tries to double cross him. He double crosses him. But then the girl for Evan's team decides that she loves Troy. And so she double-crosses Evan to help Troy. And in the end, the helicopter crashes and it's John Travolta's face and body and he dies. And Troy escapes to Mexico with all the money from the transaction, lots of money, probably at least $4 million. 
and he goes to Mexico with the with the Evans, you know, girlfriend who never liked Evan, but she was just there. She's probably Russian too. So, and then they're just in Mexico at the end, and they're having pina coladas like Milton, but wow. it's better. That's so and that's the end of the movie. Should we I probably should have caveated that? I think Greg had had a few drinks at this point. So, <laughs> no, that was filmed. <laughs> well. That was a Saturday morning job. Oh, so you were just like, man, I'm oh, asleep. Yeah, but I'd had a big Friday night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was probably a little bit of uh, petrol still in the uh, engine, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Troy, that's pretty impressive. That's n- bizarre. You didn't actually talk about the titular face off at I any point? I didn't mention <laughs> them swatching faces at all. I thought that was the the low-hanging fruit in terms of knowing the the crux of this movie. I think I was describing Broken Arrow. There's but a bit of Broken Arrow, a bit of... Um, uh, space? Gone in 60 oh, Seconds. Oh, Gone in 60 Seconds, the last job. Yeah. But Troy, that's... That's impressive. Is it? It's either deep in my subconscious somewhere for a bloke that hasn't seen this mm. movie or that did and just totally forgot everything about it. Yeah. Or I guessed it. Either way, it's crazy. It's crazy. Troy. And, and then the psychopathy bit with... It was a diff- I, that was Evan, but you well, know. you do it. You're just doing a classic '97 switcheroo on that yeah, one. Yeah, I did. The, it was a classic, <laughs> one of the great all times. Uh, well, should I get into the origin story? Then obviously we'll get into the the trailer, and you yeah. can do the actual plot recap, which will be similar, in stark similar. contrast, perhaps, or maybe word for word the same. Get into the origin <laughs> story. Let's do it. Let's do it. Origin story. Right, the year was 1990. Studios were hot for action movies because just a couple of years earlier. Were they thirsting? They were thirsting hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of years earlier, Die Hard proved that action movies can be fucking blockbuster blockbusters. Remember we talked about Joel Silver saying, you know, before action movies were just when you have a gap of the schedule, pump out an action movie, throw a little Van Damage in there, throw a little Stallone, yeah. Arnold in there. Die Hard changed everything. This genre was on fire. Mm. And in fact, in the fuego, year... Fuego. Fuego. It was on fuego. And and uh, July 4th weekend, 1990, was when Die Hard 2 came out. Wow. And it, and it really hit home for a couple of uh, a couple of writers by the name of Mike Werb and Michael Collery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment with you reading that names. I'm going to start another podcast where I just read the phone book. <laughs> Um, their credits include pictures such as Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to have a crack. They're like, hey, we're going to get on this sweet, sweet action movie action, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's 1990. Mm-hmm. Die Hard 2 has just come out. It's 4th of July. There's a trend fireworks. here, people. There's a trend here. There's a gap in the market. America. So they, they initially started with a with an idea that was heavily inspired by a movie called White Heat starring James Cagney. <laughs> James Cagney. I feel like you've said that a few times, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> I often will say James Cagney when I'm talking about them old times. And this had James Cagney, say. Yeah, sir. Um, I haven't seen that movie. Apparently there's some link. Maybe it's a prison thing. I don't know. But it started as like a guy that escapes a prison riot, yada, yada. It evolved rapidly. Mm-hmm. There's some revisions in between. But they, they landed on this idea with the face swappings. Yeah. To make it seem realistic, they were like, well, it needs to be in the future. Yeah, hundred years yeah. in the future. So they said it in the future. There were chimp slaves. There were there were homeless 
people living on an abandoned Golden Gate Bridge. Um, this is the this, future. You're describing a good movie. It's a dystopia by the sounds of it. Of course, classic. Uh, I love a dystopia, as you know, and I've probably yeah mentioned. I love a dystopia. I love I love eighties yeah, future. That's right. You do. You love the brutalism. Yeah, I love the eighties future dystopia or sixties. Like I like Kubrick's future. Yeah, I never saw it. What about The Clockwork Orange? Can't remember it. 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, anyway. 2001. They were like, you know, face swapping that's a bit. 2001's of, the past, just FYI. <laughs> now, yeah. But earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the face swapping. The face swapping is like, hey, we're a bit far away from that. Let's put it 100 years in the yeah, future. makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. I'm on board with this. Yeah, yeah. And who, out of all people... Who do you think snaps this thing up and options it for a hundred grand? Mr. Joel Silver himself, Mr. Ah. Diehard himself, Mr. Predator himself. Yeah, Mr. Not Tom bad. Cruise in Tropic Thunder himself. Exactly. He's. They've done it. They've they've done it. They've sold the script. This, this shit's happening, but not really because you know what? Option doesn't they, mean it's getting. We've made. learned that, haven't we? Yeah, they been, just buy it up. It's like a land grab. Too. Exactly. It's so, a competitive. Uh, what, what's the, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Land grab. Yeah, let's just, yeah. <laughs> it was optioned for 18 months and they hit a few roadblocks. Apparently, I was reading an interview with these guys and they were saying these Warner Brothers gang with, with the Joel Silvers were like, I don't know, man, that's going to take a lot of makeup for these people to switch identities. I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 They'll, they, just, they'll just they'll play each other. Cause they're, <laughs> but how do they do that? They're different people. Well, they're actors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So needless to say, that kind of fizzled. Mm. And um, next stop was uh, Paramount, Paramount Pictures. Okay. Friends of the show. Yeah, big friends of the show. Big friends of the show. And they went through a few different directors. So I'll just quickly mm-hmm. do a little checklist of the directors that went through and the directions it was taking, shall yep. we say. So enter yep. director one, Rob Cohen, famous for The Fast and the Furious, OG Fast and the Furious. Oh. Um, yep. Triple X. Yeah. So most of those Vin Diesel vehicles. Um, he's mu- a Vin guy. He's a Vin guy. He's in the Vin Diesel Vin's doing the movie. <laughs> the Mummy 3, Dragon, ah. Dragonheart, which I feel like is a movie for you. I am the last one. And, uh, is that Dragonheart? I think so. He did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. He did Daylight. Ah. So he's, he's done a lot of movies actually. So he, he's done a lot of movies, but he's, I wouldn't say he's one of my guys. He's a, he's a mid-tierist. Yeah. And he, his angle on it was like, well, what if they teamed up at the end to defuse the bomb together? And they were like, no, nah, no, nah, let's not do that. What, why? I don't know. I don't know. I've given a little flavour for each director's angle on this movie. That was his angle. It didn't work out. He left the picture. Second director enters, Mr. Marco Brambilla. That mm-hmm. sounds familiar. That's Demolition Man guy. Oh, yep. He says, let's go young. I want to get me a young Johnny Depp in this picture, a 27-year-old Johnny Depp. Is Johnny Depp 27 at this time? Yeah. How old is Johnny Depp now? 27, 50 or something. 50. I thought he might have been a little older. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. He's been around since he was a kid, I guess. Yeah. Mm, that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, let's get a young Johnny Depp. I want to go young. I want to go young. It's very interesting because I dabbled with Johnny Depp as a recasty. I think he could do it now. We'd have fun with it. Mm. Um, but apparently the term face-off is something commonly used in the game of hockey or ice yes. hockey as we may call it in warmer continents. It's a game, the, the, the game, the EA Sports game, isn't that an NHL face-off? It's called a face-off. Oh, I don't know. Well, apparently he was I'm like, I might have made that up. he assumed it was a hockey movie and when he found out it wasn't, he was like, 
not interested, buddy. What? I want that sweet, sweet hockey money. <laughs> he, he, he assumed it was a hockey movie about two guys who swap faces. Well, he didn't know any of that mid-season. just by the name. Once he once he read the script, he was like, oh. How far in did he realise that it wasn't that? <laughs> it was like at the last page of the script. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Finn means the end. <laughs> Sorry. Um Needless to say, that didn't work out either. Enter the third and final director. Enter the Woo. John Woo was uh, someone that the Mikes had stumbled across in seeing his Hong Kong pictures. Um, he just made Broken Arrow with Travolta, so things were falling into place. He was kind of he was he was mm-hmm. he was starting to ah he was starting to make it in the US. Is that his as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I got a bit more on John Woo later, so I won't go into a huge John Woo background here, mm-hmm. but um, he. He's ready. Like the stars have aligned. He's kind of proven himself in the US with, with Broken Arrow and Travolta's there. So that kind of everything's coming into place. Cage was already interested. This holy trinity of amazingness converges on this picture called Face Off and he makes a few calls. He decides, uh-huh. you know what, this shouldn't be in the future. I want to focus on the characters. I want to focus on the drama and the family. And if we're in the future, it's all going to be about the special effects and the slave monkeys and all that shit. I want it to be grounded. I want mm. this movie about swapping faces to be grounded um, in a very real, real uh, story. And so he did that. And in reading this, this was an interview I read and he wanted to set it in 2002. And I was waiting for the part where they said why they didn't set it in 2002. It never came. So I think maybe this film was in theory set in the slight future, a bit of a demolition man scenario. Remember how the opening of Demolition uh-huh. Man, a movie made in 1993, set in 1996, just so the premise would seem feasible? Yeah. I think he's done this. He's done a demo man here. He's like, let's just set it in 2002, five yeah. years in the future. I just feel that it's... <laughs> the, face, the face technology is so close. Yeah. Scientists just need a few more years. Yeah. The 3D printers are going to be ready. <laughs> I mean, they never overtly say the date, so it's neither here nor there. It probably doesn't really matter. But at least that's the way he rationalised it. In I did head. feel... That it was well when I when I watched it slightly without knowing any of the backstory. When I first watched it, I was like, I thought, why didn't they set it a little bit in the future? Mm. But I guess they did. And look, I'm happy with the final product, so I ain't complaining. But it's interesting. Mm. It's an interesting call to make. He's yeah. all about the drama, the characters, that kind of shit. I'll get into more of that later. I'll get a little bit of a John Woo detour later. But mm-hmm. man, this shit's firing. They, they got a post Pulp Fiction Travolta. They got a post. Con Air Cage, they got John Woo, uh-huh. Sparks were about to fly, literally and figuratively. They got Gina Gershon. They got the Gersh. Man, what else do you need? So this movie was, it's all falling into place. They're taking a massive swing here. Other people working on the movie were like, this could be a fucking disaster. What yeah. are these people doing? Is his why is he wiping his hand over their face? Oh, that was I all mean, that was an we, improv thing, apparently. We, <laughs> it's weird. We, because it hits the lip. Like But they it's a there's a lot of it. And they all do it to each they other. They all do it. He's always running It's weird. It's stupid. I don't like it. It was unnecessary. We get it. The it's, movie's about face swapping. Yeah. Stop touching each other's faces. It's not COVID compliant. <laughs> you know, like you can't touch your face. Is that the part that's aged the worst perhaps? Is well, that in, face a, in, a, in a post-COVID world, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, well, the crux of the origin story is really about those three elements coming together, but 
just to round out casting, um, mm-hmm. there are a couple of precasts that I've have not mentioned up until this point, but they're pretty juicy. So, in the early days of this script being pitched, it, it was very much just the lone and Schwarzenegger mm, yeah. vehicle, which is crazy and interesting, but also kind of shows you the the kind of well, altitude at which this was being pitched. That would have been in the Joel Silver, exactly. That's like direct in the wheelhouse of lap pack. Yeah, just just churn and burn, baby. Let's just pump it's out. It's a, a different movie. It's the future. They're swapping faces. I don't know how they would have done the voices. There would have been quite a microchip to be put in your larynx. <laughs> it would be big. Um, there would have been a lot of sparks. Yeah. Well, so many so many sparks in this. Yeah. Yeah, there would have had to be more. More sparks, yeah, more sparks. Michael Douglas and Harrison Ford, another duo. Michael Douglas is the executive. Exactly. He ended up the being executive. Yeah, like the, yeah, the EP. yeah. Yeah, I think he might have produced another John Woo joint being the Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle that was hard target. Hard target. Hard target. Uh, so Michael Douglas produced hard target. Well, he produced double impact too. So double impact. I'm pretty sure it was double impact. What? Yeah. Do we cover that in the thing? We touched on it because remember, it? remember, I think it was a double impact episode where we, wow. remember he spoke to Kirk Douglas. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, my son produced your movie. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, well, oh, it was I like they were, we were talking about bigger I things. Mean, I mean, I quite often don't miss it, but I, do, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Because of, of my brain. You're not a remember-y type, no, of, type no, of dude. No, no, I like to live in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Jean-Claude Van Damme was in the mix as well at certain points. Um, yeah. Of course, none of With that. Steven Seagal, I believe. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Keep going. It'd be interesting, I suppose. They don't like each other, yeah. So there would have been a a, a, lo- a lovely chemistry of friction, a frictionless chemistry. Yeah, I can't imagine the the impersonations of each other. How that would work? Well, they'd need a lot more change than their faces. Yeah. Well, this this is all the reasons why it wouldn't work. And you, every this movie is so dependent on the casting that each of those is such a different movie, potentially much shitter. As much yeah. as I love the idea of some of those, the execution. How could you execute it? So. It's interesting, but in terms of who we ended up with, of course we had Nicolas Cage as Caster Troy slash Archer. We had Travolta as Archer slash Troy. We had uh, Gina Gershon as um, Baddie Lady. We, uh-huh. had, we had some woman from Golden Girls as Mrs. Archer. She's from Golden Girls? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Are you talking about a do? Joan Allen. She kind of looked like she'd be from Golden Girls. She looks like a Joan. We did. <laughs> she does. Sorry. Uh, we don't want to come across as uh, sexist in these things. But you know what? Our, both our wives said, "Why? Well, that's a horribly miscast role. <laughs> Why does... There's not a great deal of chemistry there. It's, yeah. no, it's no Sandy and Danny. Sandy. Baby. Um, they're probably the same age though. So I'm, this is not like a weird, oh, you know, he should have a hot young wife thing. It's not that. It might be just the hair, to be honest. But it's it's a weird it's a weird scenario. It should have been a Gina Gershon in that role, perhaps. Um, I would have been happy with that. G- Gina Gershon could have played both roles. Yeah, double face, double face. Yeah. Um, and just a thought. Alessandro Nivola as that? Pollux Troy. Why? What are these names? Castor and Pollux. It's like some Greek mythology or something. Okay. Yeah. It's like oh, deep. Yeah, See what you did there, but I don't. Um, so they hustled these people in front of some cameras, a couple of slow-mos, some guns and uh-huh. bash bosh. You got yourself a movie rap party at the Viper Room. That would have been an interesting rap party. That would have been quite the rap party. Should I play the trailer? Please do. I've been uh, 
chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. He he has no conscience and he uh, he shows no no remorse. He's the mastermind behind numerous bombings and political assassinations. He uh, has a felony list a mile long: murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism, you name it. He's the most dangerous and brilliant criminal mind I've ever known. I, for years, I've, I've been watching him, tracking him, studying his every every move. I know his every every mannerism, facial tick, gesture. I know him better than he knows himself. And now, after all this time, I finally figured out a way to trap him. I will become him. care if I live. You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some stuff up. It's more fun. Plan B. Let's just kill each other. That's quite a cool trailer. That was like different content for the trailer. Was that, that the first part? Is, it, is that an official trailer or is that just something cool somebody made on the internet? No, I think that's more that like someone had to shoot the footage. So it was legit. <laughs> like it wasn't in the movie, right? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I like it. But that trailer, what that trailer does do is it gives a bit of room for Greg to uh, break yeah, down exactly it, what goes. Well, there's no La Fontaine in there to tell us the plot. So yeah. we're not going to need a Greg to do it. I'm happy to, you know. Provide a little bit more color because that's should I just play the thing we played before of your plot predictions? It's pretty I, close. It was close. Um, you want to refine it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, there's a few sort of other you know themes I'd like to surface, mm. if I may. Um, and you know, Face Off explores the relationship between ambition and greed, selfishness. Mm. FBI Special Agent Sean Archer is after Castor Troy, freelance terrorist and homicidal sociopath Castor Troy. Troy kills Archer's young son on a Ferris, like a, not a Ferris wheel, what is it, the merry-go-round? Merry-go-round. Whilst trying to kill Archer. Can I just say, for a guy who's meant to be a, he's a pretty shit assassin, merry-go-rounds are very slow. Yeah. And he shoots this guy in the middle of the right side of his chest, which there's no vital organ there. I mean, he's a lung. But yeah. He's not shooting me in the heart. He's not the backwards man. He's not shooting me in the head, which was the style at the time. Yeah. You know, and, he, and the bullet goes through and he kills his son. Yeah. And, um, you know. It's an accident, I suppose. It's an accident. He didn't mean to kill his son. He, but as a professional, he could have easily he found any other scenario to like make this shit. in the head. Yeah. Or like. Or just he, another day. Just another day. Yeah. You're, you're a sneaky, sneaky man. Yeah. So. You know, flash forward six months or whatever it is. Archer's very obsessed with catching Troy. Mm. You know, as is his it's his job. Yeah. But obviously there's an emotional attachment, killed him son. Yeah. But he's a bit of a dickhead, you know, he's ignoring his grieving wife. He doesn't grieve they don't grieve this, the loss of the son and his daughter. He's basically a shit husband and dad. He's wearing a lot of uh mascara. She's trying to find herself. She's yeah. she's in grieving. Uh, he's a horrible boss. No one at work likes him. He's a bit of a C-U-N-T to team. He is. Uh, he's, con- he's rude to his boss. Yeah. You run the bureau You know? That's pretty good. He's, he's just a dickhead to kind of everyone. Yeah. But he's just laser focused. He's just laser focused on Troy. You know? 
He's willing to cut his own face off and put Troy's one on and go to jail for a bit without even telling his wife. Mm. He just I assume he's just disappeared. What does he tell her? I'm going out for milk. I'm going out for a packet of cigarettes. One last job. One last job. I'm going to go and swap faces. Well, we're going to take a face. So, mm. you know, obviously that leads to Troy stealing his face yeah. as he woke up because he wasn't tied to the bed or anything as a criminal. No one's keeping an eye on him. Zero. There's yeah. no security. Yeah. It's fine. And so he gets Archer's face on his face and obviously goes and bangs his mediocre wife. Um <laughs> And then generally starts fucking shit up. And what follows, Tristan, is a relentless, meme-producing, incest-riddled, violent, fiery space opera set on Earth. Finishes with an exploding speedboat chase. It finishes a few times. (laughs) It does. It's also a creepy love story. Yeah. Between a man and another man's daughter, but with a dad's face. Yeah. And some siblings at some point. Yeah, which I didn't pick up on. It's yeah. There's multiple bouts of incest type things yeah. running through this film, yeah. bizarrely. It's a brave movie, Greg. It's not afraid it is to a brave go movie. <laughs> it is a brave movie. So how was, I would love, it's not even a rewatch for you. How was the watch? I've been dying, dying to hear. Ah, okay. So I it's, haven't it's, asked it's you because. interesting. Um, it turns out Christian Slater's not in this movie. He's not. And it's not about Unless he was wearing someone else's face throughout the entire movie. Yeah, I thought he was Pollock's Troy. Oh, oh that would be good casting. But um, it's not about military weapons sales either. So my first rewatch, I watched this last Saturday night. Uh, I was a bit tipsy. And according to my notes, I wasn't really loving it. Whoa. Because I, like I, I think I was just a bit blown away. It was just like, whoa, this is a lot to digest. Wow. It's just so OTT. Yeah. Um, I, I've described it, it's like Michael Bay and Baz Luhrmann got together, snorted a kilogram of cocaine and then went <laughs> and shot a movie. Kind of. Because it reminded me of Romeo and Juliet a bit with yeah, the flashiness yeah, and the that too. guns and the – There was a bit of that. Well, there's doves. I don't, why are there doves? That's a John Woo thing. Is apparently. it? He likes a, he likes a white bird. Um, I think a lot of this stuff is like a signature John Woo stuff. Yeah. They gave him free reign here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, sorry, then I, and then I knew that there was probably a bit more to it, so I watched it again this week in parts, like yeah. grabbing 15 minutes when I had my lunch or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I appreciated it more. It's good. It's good stuff, man. It's good. Like the, it's a bit of a mindfuck. It is. And I enjoyed it a lot. I watched it twice, both times, a lot. Um, it hadn't been that long since my original watch because I only watched it a few years ago, I think, five to – Eight years, maybe. Uh, but there were some things I did forget about. I forgot about all the prison stuff. So that was quite a surprise. <laughs> you know. forgot? The, that's quite futuristic too, isn't it? The, well, that's the thing. It's like it's not set in the a, future. Maybe but it was 2002. I don't know. Magnetic boots. They're magnetic boots on every. Which they don't really use. They don't use at all. <laughs> What's the point of these? Look, there's some. I've got a. I do have a list of questions. We'll, oh, okay. I we'll guess we'll work. Questions. I think we work through them as we go. Okay. And so, well, actually, we, okay, we'll start with that one. The boots. We go through all this trouble with all the floors of magnets, I suppose, or metal. The boots are magnetic. They use it once the fight's already over. Mm-hmm. That's the only time it gets used. Yep. Uh, what happened? Like I don't know. And they keep showing the computer screen zeroing in on like people dots, which I assume is to do the. Uh, but what? Uh, nothing. 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 
It does remind me. You're not a Zelda guy, are you? You never played Zelda. I played Zelda, baby. Oh, the the Nintendo sixty four. What's the song? No, Nintendo. Uh, on Nintendo sixty four, there's the famously frustrating level, the Water Temple. Oh, it had, like it. Boots, like those, so the level, the water temple oh. where you had you had metal boots like those, so you could go to the bottom of the water. But it reminded me of that a lot because it was when you walked on. Did it stress you a little bit? If it was a hard level, the worst, the worst. The Water Temple is infamously horrible. Oh, for everyone. For everyone. Um, yeah, it, it, that whole – and the whole escape scene from that prison. It's later in the movie but – Yeah, he, he gets a cigarette and then he, they light it for him for some light, reason. He, he, yeah, and he bakes him up. And then he gets out to the top and realises it's kind of like an oil outrig type setup. And it's got the, the helicopters on him on the roof, diehard style. Yeah. And then he jumps off into the water – and then the helicopter just, and then he makes it. Like, what does the helicopter run out of petrol? <laughs> he lands in him. He's, he's invisible. We can't get him. He's in international waters now. It's not our territory. Yeah, we know he's he's been down there for over eight seconds. I guess we should move on. He <laughs> fell into the water from at least ten meters. He couldn't possibly have survived. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few questions like that. Um, I'd forgotten the brother was even really a thing. He's a bit of a non-event. He's non-event. He's a plot device, and yeah. not a very interesting one. I forgot Thomas Jane was in this movie. Who's that? He's the guy with the glasses in the prison. He looks like a familiar face. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, is he going to be a significant character? Oh, no. Margaret Cho was in it. I kind of kind of forgot. Yep. Two people from The Wire. Who? Um, his cop mate that gets burned and um, oh. and the guy that helps him escape. Uh, uh. His season two Wire, The Docs. The Docs. Yeah. Goddamn Pollacks. He was a Docs guy. Was he a Pollack? I forgot Gina Gershon was in it. Uh-huh. What did you remember? I forgot they had Estelle Getty as his wife. <laughs> <laughs> i got to stop giving a shit. That's not fair. She's, I'm sure she's a nice lady. She's got three Academy Award nominations. Right. May you know. Yeah. May you know. It's not an expression, is it? Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the final piece that I completely forgot about, which kind of blew my mind again, was the, the final scene where he brings a, terrorist child back home to his family as a surprise and they're like, all right, yeah, it yeah, seems, like, seems like a good idea because we used to have a son. Yes. And so this is a fitting replacement. We've already got all the gear. Like, Yeah, well, yeah, they wouldn't have got rid of it. It's a quick decision it's, in the scheme of adoption. Yeah. Um, not sure what, if he'd already done the paperwork or anything like that. Also, you're probably facing into a few tough questions down the track there. Yeah. Um, what happened to my daddy? Well. <laughs> yeah, there's you know there's a bit there. I killed him, but he killed my son, and I wore so, I wore his face for a while. Yeah, yeah. And as far as he knows, his dad saved his life back in the uh, awesome criminal lair. Well, yeah, but you know it was, it was John Travolta. It's obviously a face of the old switcheroo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, can we explore the premise? The premise. First? Um, that's the penis or the premise? The premise, um, possibly including the penis. So it's obviously a ridiculous premise. <laughs> I think largely it does a good job of getting you on the level of getting on board. Mm-hmm. Largely. Yeah, um, I'm on board. Hey, the complexion's the same, the eye colour's the same. Hey, what are you going to do, the same height? Yeah, sure, this the works. The chest hair? The chest Identical. hair. Identical. Identical. They're both very hairy on the chest yeah. and then a fairly not hairy tummy. Yeah, was that a? Is that a? Did they shave the tummy to expose? No, the that's because they were both cages at that point. Because they did his body before his face. They did his body to match cage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because they did they had to take the love handles off. They had to. I did have to take the love handle. They said they said some um, I wish chest someone would hair take my love plugs. Off. I know, right? I would do that. I would love a little. Hey, Cage was fit then too. This is right off the back of Con Air. Yeah, he had Abby Dabbies in the prison. He did the Abby Dabbies? Um, so I I think you know largely you're like I'm on board. I know what I signed up for here. After that opening scene, you're like, okay, I'm gonna the black and white suspend disbelief. Sun brutal. Or the next scene. opening scene. This movie has three endings and two opening scenes. It's got multiple. <laughs> Every scene's an opening scene. Um, but and the scene itself is pretty well done. Like the lasers look good. The pulling the faces off. I don't know if it works that way. Like the old. Um, I would imagine this being more like peeling a mango. Like your face doesn't just. Your face is not just connected to the meat under your face just by the line around your face. How does the song go? The face bones connected to the. The rest of your face. The rest of your face. Yeah. 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 Like because you, you got to, all these things are connected. You can't just like. Oh, but there was special suction. It was 2002, baby. It's five years from now. Hey, I'm not here to nitpick. I'm on board, man. I'm on board. Oh, but it's pretty fun to nitpick. This it is. Video. It is pretty fun to nitpick. There's a couple of things though. Well, the one actually, speaking of that one, similarly, I don't think that a faceless Nicolas Cage would be so easily pronouncing his... Fs? His, yeah, Fs, Ms, Ps and Bs. <laughs> They'll be coming out as N, well, Ns, Ts try and, and Ds. Try and say, they've taken my face, can you please give me Sean Ash's face without using your lips? Yeah, exactly. They've taken my face. And then, and then smoking those, a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> and looking like the Joker. Yeah. I wonder if that was Heath's inspiration for the Joker. I had a note in here that this would be a great Joker origin story. Oh. I'll come back to that because it's baked into another point. Mm. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's living in a city of NTs and Ds, not MPs and Bs. That ain't happening. Yeah, I'm nitpicking, I digress. You can nitpick about heaps of stuff, but there is one there. How far does the switcheroo go? We, they do the love handles. They do the chest hair. He does have sex with his wife. Yeah. Is there any peeny switchies going on there? Because they could have just preempted all of that by going, hey, they've got the same complexion, same height, same eye colour, same peen. They could have. They could have yeah. slipped right in there. Yeah. But, sir, how do we know if he's a grower or a shower? <laughs> because yeah. as a married man, I assume. She would know. She would know if there was a different. It's if I also, came in with a different wang one day, you know, it could be better or worse. Mm-hmm. She's going to know the difference. I would think so. I, also, thought that, I didn't notice second first watch. That was a second watch observation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm going back on what I'm about to say because most of those are nitpicky things. I don't care too much about any of those. It's like mm. I'm on board. It's fine. Yeah, it's fun too. But there yeah, were three yeah. things that were actually like, well, hang on a second, <laughs> that do stick out a little bit uh-huh. that's hard to kind of get my head around. The first being the voice microchip. Yes. While I do love the effect and they're like, I could eat a peach all day thing or whatever it is that they yeah. do and they and it goes blue, 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 blue. That was kind of cool. I like that. But they, the way they set it up, you know, that even a, an aggressive sneeze will dislodge it and you're fucked. It sets it up as if something's. Uh, and it never. And it gets in fights right away and nothing. So it's just like that's waste, not. A, it just didn't need to be there. It seems like it's leading up to something. The biggest one though is the way mm. he proves that he's not. Caster Troy is through blood type, but blood type is the one thing you do need for any kind of transplant. They need to be the same blood type to swap faces. Oh, yeah. But they're different blood types. The different blood types was the only... 
<laughs> the different blood types was like the this this yeah like the failsafe thing yeah, yeah. of like but don't worry you different what about fingerprints what about any other fucking thing what about pain size that could have been the differentiator but they went with blood type the one thing, the one you, thing need you need to the, actually do any kind of transplant the body would reject <laughs> the body face. would reject his face <laughs> that's a very very good point Tristan <laughs> one that I certainly missed and the final one that bugs me it's it's less it's less crucial to the premise cuz those are pretty baked into the premise mm-hmm. this one is more just like when he goes to prison his brother is immediately suspicious that that's not him yeah like it's like it's <laughs> like he has to earn like his trust like it's pretty expected that he swapped faces yeah, along yeah, the line somewhere yeah. it could be <laughs> like, up to something here yeah. <laughs> tell me what's my middle name <laughs> it's so weird it's so weird anyway it sounds like I'm shitting on this movie let me be clear i am not sir yeah, we're having a bit of fun with it. I, I'm having. A, I love this movie. This is this acting in this movie. A lot of the banter around this movie is like, oh, the the most overacting of any movie. You're watching the two crazies be crazy, and it gets like kind of uh, treated as a bit of a joke. I think, and I, I think at the time it was received well. The critic score kind of speaks for itself. Eighty, mm-hmm. eighty-two, eighty-six percent, or ninety-two percent. I think it was like that's high for sure. But I think in the in the age of the memes and such, this gets looked back on as like, oh yeah, those silly guys. I gotta disagree with you, internet nerds. This is I think this premise works because of these two guys. And I think Travolta in particular does a pretty fucking good job of being very I was watching it with that critical eye, like, could I yeah. imagine Nicolas Cage doing most of these things? Yeah. And I can, man. Like, what? Well, just one clip as an example. It was a mind that was actually that's what I mean. It was quite a mind fuck. Because if you think about it. Cage only plays Troy for about 10 minutes or whatever that opening scene is. The rest of the movie, Troy is actually Travolta, but you don't really think of it that way. It it works, like not in a way where Arnold being sly is going to work. It works. Ooh, you get looking. You're hot. It's like looking in a mirror, only not. There's, there's lots of things in it throughout. And that's just one example, obviously. But I noticed, especially on the second, the re-rewatch. Yeah, yeah. You needed, it needed a bit more time, didn't it? I noticed the more he was alone, the more he would act like Cage. But when he was, like, in the office, he'd act more like Travolta. Like, it's, there's, like, shit in there. I'm not a huge Travolta fan. I don't know if I've said that before. Like, he's, he's fine. Yeah. I wouldn't call him an overactor generally. I get why people call Cage that. But Travolta's not really. Like, you see him in... He's always like he barely moves his mouth. He's always he moves his bottom lip. He talks like this through his teeth all the time. Like there's no <laughs> well, fat old shake, fat old shake. He, he's had heroin in that. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> but, but he the, he talks like that in this though. Like it's not like he always overacts. His he's, chin weighs down his bottom. Yeah, yeah. this ridiculous chin. I love that line. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Mixed <laughs> review. Nice. I've heard multiple things on that thing. I've heard that he didn't want to do it. He said, "Are you you guys making fun of my chin?" That's the writers. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I also read that it was his idea. I yeah. It's no. interesting they had written that somewhere. I read it I read the former from the writers, so I'm gonna believe those guys. I read it in a book. But yeah, I think he's doing a fucking great job. Mainly because I think I had lower expectations of him. He's not as over the top as Nick Cage generally. No, but, but in he this has he a, brings he, it. he does have a penchant for flair. He does. And he brings it in this. And he brings it in a way where you like I could imagine that's Cage wearing a fucking Travolta chin. It's quite the chin, isn't it? It's quite it's chin. A, I always wonder if people with those chins, how do they shave in the middle there? Well, he doesn't. 
yeah. like a dark hole. <laughs> and uh, let me just get on my soapbox a little bit on this one because similarly, just the way the, the, the chat around Nicolas Cage these days, uh-huh. it's like, oh, Nicolas Cage, oh, he's so silly. Oh, an over-rector. Oh, no, he's a fucking great actor. And I'm wait- I can't wait for this thing to come full circle again and we all realise he's a great actor again because right now in many ways, in not in all circles but in, in popular culture, he's being treated as a joke and he is a fucking great actor, sir. Yeah. And he still is. He can do all the shit. He can do – he's won an Oscar. He's done adaptation. He can do the – I'm a serious actor. So he can do that. He prefers. He's doing other things. He's exploring. Uh, what's his name? Ethan Hawke says that uh, Nicolas Cage is the only actor to evolve the craft since Brando. David Lynch says he's the jazz musician of acting. Ooh. Now let's dive a little bit further into this. And as a jumping off point, this is a great context setter, a little clip of Cage talking about this role and his inspiration for this role which I think puts it into context a little bit in terms of what he's actually doing and showing that there's intention here. He doesn't just go in there and go, I'm going to wave my head around and grab her ass and go, hallelujah. Like he's acting, man, and he's got like a fucking idea in his head of what he's executing and he's going hard after it. And in my opinion, it's exactly what the film needs and requires. Face Off was really the direct result of another movie I made called Vampire's Kiss, which I considered my laboratory. And in that movie, I really wanted to find a way to express, again, my kind of German expressionistic dreams, a.k.a., you know, like uh, uh, Alan Nosferatu or Caligari, where these actors were doing these extraordinary faces and body language that was not necessarily natural, but expressionistic. That's my favorite movie I made, by the way. And I knew that I had to find a a vehicle that would allow me to do that where there was some mechanism of truth or reality in that the character was losing his mind. So his behavior, his body language, his facial expressions were also the result of a man who was having a nervous breakdown. So therefore, I could become very stylistic. So a lot of the the, the, the body language and, and facial expressions went into face off. But but John Woo, who is also you know very operatic and uh, musical, an extraordinary filmmaker, he showed me his movie Bullet in the Head. I knew once I saw that movie where I could go in terms of style and in terms of right up against the edge, you know, operatic, if you will, emotion. And so a lot of the stuff I discovered on Vampire's Kiss, which I enjoyed, I could put into a movie that would later become a mainstream and commercial film. So I was like a dream come true. Here I was doing these kind of abstract, you know, ontological facial expressions in in a movie that was going to make a ton of money, which I I was thrilled with the results. So he's running his own race there. He's like... He's won the Oscar a couple of years ago. He's like, this is what he's, I ex- do. he's exploring his own shit. Uh-huh. He's doing this German expressionism shit, which I'm not going to claim to be an expert on. But Western Kabuki, Western Kabuki yeah. was yeah, that's cool. I, I hadn't heard of that one, but yeah. that, I like that. Sounds I, intellectual. <laughs> well, it's cool, and well, it's funny because last time we talked about German expressionism, believe it or not, we have talked about it before, was with Tim Boyton. That mm-hmm. was hugely influential for him, and I guess this is more the the acting expression of that wow. German expressionism, which is yeah. interesting because we talked about the same movies he's referencing in, in that with um, Nosferatu and stuff with that, that vampire. Mm-hmm. And with Burton, we looked at it with the shadows and the, 
you know, that the curlies and all that. But you look at Nesferatu's face, I believe, is that his name? Or is that just the name of the movie? The character, the vampire's face, and he's doing like the looks, like he's doing the things that he's doing and it's overexpressive and it's like an opera and it's like the, the shit that drives me nuts with this stuff is you put this in another genre, you get a Jim Carrey in a comedy and this mm. kind of acting is applauded. Mm. He's doing the same shit in in a dramatic role, which yeah. I, it's, it takes fucking balls and he's like, why not? Like yeah. why not push what acting is? Why can't I do this? In not a comedy. Why do we insist upon realism? Yeah, exactly. And why do we accept it in comedy Yeah, and, and not in other genres? And the irony of that whole thing is while Jim Carrey gets applauded for those roles in comedy, very rarely does a comedic role like that get any kind of uh, critical, critical like in terms of awards and shit. No. Yet when when Jim Carrey's and, and Robin Williams's go all quiet and grow a beard, that's when they get an Oscar. So it's interesting yeah. that you've got these guys that are doing this in comedy, but you know, when they go to drama, they go all somber and blah, blah, blah. Whereas this guy is basically the Jim Carrey of drama, which I think is pretty fucking cool. Exactly. We need that shit, man. And, the, and then Oscars are handed out when you... When you dial it down. When you dial it down or put enough prosthetics so you don't look like you. Really. Yeah. So makeup gets the award for the... Yeah. Best actor for best makeup. Exactly. So it's whether or not you like what he's doing, you got to fucking respect it, man. Like that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. That's fucking cool. And that, that kind of brings me to my my next point on this movie. Let, let's, let's set the record straight here, Greg. I don't know if you agree or not, but is this a good movie or is this a bad movie that's fun to watch? I think it's a good movie. Kind of building off my last point. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say it would have been, kind a, of a, would have been <laughs> a bit of a U-turn there. If, uh, this is a terrible film. And I think to be fair, I was probably in a similar boat where I kind of probably treated this movie like a bit of a joke. But if you break it down, there's some fucking good shit in here. Yeah, it's not the movie I was expecting, which was nice. Yeah, and it works. Like imagine, imagine the Arnold Sly version. Like it, it's a different movie. It's a different movie and it's very middle of the road. A lot more predictable, a lot more popcorn. It would be lucky to be as good as Demolition Man. Like that would yeah. be as good as it would uh-huh. get. The way I was thinking about it, it's a bit like I get that, yes, Nick Cage is over the top and there's crazy shit in here and there's doves and that's weird and there's sparks and isn't that funny. But that's but, it. That's, but the, that's, that's the – Exactly. Yeah. It's like saying – It's like saying Operatic is the is Exactly. The it's like saying, oh, yeah. that opera sucks because people don't talk like that. Yeah. It's fucking opera. It's like saying that cartoon sucks because they don't look like real people. They look like drawings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking cartoon. Yeah. I think the same thing applies here. We're talking about a John Woo picture with with the acting that we just talked about. It's with Nicolas Cage. Of Nicolas Cage doing his version of German expressionism. Playing John Travolta. Oh, man. Vice versa. Like John Woo made the exact movie he set out to make. Yeah. Cage did the performance he set out to do. Yeah. People watch it and enjoy it. It's a good fucking movie. <laughs> this thing of like, I, I read someone say once, maybe it was like Amy Poehler or something. She's like, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. It's either a pleasure or it's not. Like don't try and like. Oh, that's profound. Yeah, but I, I, I always thought oh, that's interesting. But in this movie I was like, you know what? Yeah, like this gets pigeonholed as like a guilty pleasure movie or like you watch it ironically. No, don't watch it ironically. It's just good. Allow yourself to enjoy it non-ironically. Yeah. 
Everything's so ironic these days. <laughs> Good rant, Tristan. Oh, I'm not over. It's not done. Oh. This is. <laughs> I'm just warming up. I'm just getting started. There's movies like The Room, right? Which you haven't seen The Room, have you? We should do this it. This Room? That's the movie. That's the famously yeah, worst movie David, made, Disaster Artist, whatever. Not yeah. David. <laughs> okay. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. What did I say? I don't know. David. Yeah. Similar. But I, I feel like these get put in the same category as like shitty movies to watch that are funny and it's yeah. not the same fucking thing. This is very intentional. They did the thing they set it's, out to it's, do. There's, interest, there's intricacies. There's, there's some, intricacies. There's it some, works. There's some straight up weirdness in there. Oh, 100%. Don't get me wrong. There's weird shit going on in here but a lot of, not all of it, but a lot of it is really just the conventions of the genre, a genre which John Woo largely fucking created too, which we'll get into in a second. But it's a space opera in an airport. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's the other part I love too is that, you know how we, I think there's been a few movies like this, like GoldenEye, where the opening scene could just be a standalone short film. Mm-hmm. I think this movie's got that too. It's like forget the merry-go-round bit or the airport stuff. What was the, what was the opening scene? The priest head into the... Shootout the into, airport. Oh yeah, into the plane. That's like that could be a standalone movie. Yeah, he's quite mean to that FBI lady. He gets her to suck his tongue. Yeah, that was aggressive. Yeah, and he's a nasty man. Let's go, let's go. I'm bored. Let's go. So just on more the, <laughs> <laughs> just more on the um, questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I may. Okay, yeah. So on the notion of incest. Yeah. Um, that's not like his stepdaughter. That's his daughter. Daughter. Yeah, but not Caster Troy's daughter. No, true. But, but yeah, it's see. This is where everything I just said, <laughs> I, I stand by. No, exactly. But it's, it's but it's not a free pass for everything. No, absolutely, it's uh, not perfection. It's, there's, there's a bunch some, of weird, there's a bunch of weirdness in it. Because I don't, which kind of adds to but it. Then, but then at the same time, yeah, it kind of does kind of because Caster Troy is fucked up. But. I don't know how to process that scene. Yeah, like, it makes me really Because the daughter doesn't know that this is a different Yeah, man. exactly. She's getting kind of like sex eyes from her father. Yeah, yeah. And then why is he a good bloke and beats up the, the guy trying to harass his daughter in the car? So this is interesting There's too. There's like moments of well, this he goes is, to the graveyard It's interesting because for a while there I thought it was going to a place of like he's a better husband than Archer is. It kind of started to, and which he, is interesting. He almost is, and he just a shit husband. He beats up the rapist. Yeah, it's a good beat up scene, by the way. Uh, also played by a rapist. Is that the guy from that Masterson guy? Show? Yeah, he's um, what's his name? He beats him up good. It's it's quite a uh, yeah. Danny Masterton. He's just he like as of two weeks ago, finally arrested for three counts of rape. Oh man! Apparently, it's been covered up by Scientology for years. Like, because there was whispers of this, for, he got kicked off various shows because it came out. Finally actually been arrested. And he played a fucking, oh, anyway. Yeah. That's, that was weird. That's not nice. That's not like a. Well, it's a good yeah. beat up scene then. Yeah, exactly. It's cathartic. He gets him, kicks him in the nuts. Yeah. Throws him over the car. It's a, it's good. I liked it. Yeah, so it's really interesting. And then like, yeah, in, in many ways he sort of is a better husband. And so I thought, is the movie going to go all in on this? And is is Archer with Troy's face on going to become bad? Like, there was a point. Like in um, The Hair in The Simpsons when Homer gets Oh, um, yeah, snake's, snake's hair. hair. Yeah, yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. I, I wondered if oh. that was – and that's where I thought actually that, that could – this movie done a different way, like the second half playing out of it differently. 
could actually be a great Joker origin story because ah. he goes insane as Nicolas Cage with Nicolas Cage's face on. Yeah. And maybe it's done a bit jankier so there's scarring and it's a bit more Joker-esque. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, he starts falling in love with his, his goons. And, and you know what the stuff. world needs? More Joker movies. More Joker movies, we'll baby. Pump them out. Pump them out. Give them to us. More Joker. We crave them. Especially if you show Bruce Wayne's parents being killed. I want to see some pearl necklaces fall to the ground. Yeah, in slow Yeah. No. Was that Arnold? Yeah, Bruce Wayne playing Arnold. I mean, Arnold playing Bruce Wayne in that one. As a kid? Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, I want to leave the picture. I'm scared of the bats. With the, from the movies. <laughs> I don't like this movie, Daddy. Please walk me through the alleyway. They, they were leaving the back door and the, yeah, the, the sideways. Door. Daddy, who's that guy in the darkness over there? Dear, dear, dear. The bad guys over there. Um, <laughs> these are good points. Yeah, yeah. Especially that last point. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you want to talk about John Woo a little? Yeah, I got a little, got a little Woo story. Look, I think a lot of what I was saying before actually stemmed from. Me learning a little bit more about John Woo because I didn't know a lot, to be honest. And Ara made a great point straight out the bat, straight off the bat, straight out the bat, straight off the bat, that um, the way these action scenes were shot was almost like a ballet, like very choreographed. And um, she also pointed out that her mother, an artist, loved this movie too. Really? Yeah, yeah, And because she watched Hong Kong action movies. So she was like, it's really interesting to see like, an American version of this, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, like this is his thing, like the doves and like this uh-huh. is like, yeah. You seen any of those? You seen Hard Boiled or anything like that? I don't think so. Chow and Fats, his guy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll get into that because ba- they kind of converged their stories to become superstars in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. Um, and and it, it, that all checks out because as a kid, not this first part, but as a kid he grew up in a rough part of town, lots of violence, guns and shit. Mm-hmm. So mix that with in Hong Kong, yeah, somewhere in Hong Kong. I don't know. Um, I probably, I think in Hong Kong. Quite Fuck, I could. Somewhere bad violence. He had a bit of a rough childhood, but uh-huh. he fell in love with musicals and shit. So you can yeah. already see how these two ingredients are starting to come together. It must have been a big opera vibe in Hong Kong. You know, you look at a lot of the, you know, the Jackie Chan story. He obviously yeah. um, was involved in that circuit as uh, Bruce Lee to an extent. His dad was in the opera, so yeah, they right. had. And it's probably similar to the Kabuki setup. So is these it was kind of like the musicals, I guess, was it? Yeah. Because there's a lot of there's a decent I mean, Jackie Chan, Chow Yun Fat, John Wu, you know, these are the biggest names. Um yeah. these are the biggest Asian names in Hollywood mm. history, really. And they seem to have this similar pedigree. Anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. Cause and also he actually wanted to be an actor himself, John Wu. Yep. And he joined probably one of these same studios. Uh-huh. I think it was called Shaw Brothers. There was basically a movie factory. Yeah. Pumped out 40 movies a year. And it was just like this big campus thing. And I think they just had all these people that wanted to be actors. They were there. And they were, hey, you go in that movie. You go yeah. over there. We'll make it. Shoot the picture. Make the picture. Yeah. We'll make the movie. Rap uh-huh. party. Rap party at, been in Hong Kong? At the Hong Kong Sevens. <laughs> That's a big weekend. <laughs> there you apparently. go. Yeah. And um, he couldn't get a gig. He wasn't really killing it at acting. He wasn't a conventionally handsome uh, guy. And um, someone gave him the advice, not as a backhanded compliment, because it kind of sounds like the way I'm going to say it, but it's like, maybe you should look into directing. Get on the other side of the camera. <laughs> the other side of the camera. But I think it was more coming. About, have you thought about podcasts? <laughs> yeah, you got a good head for podcasting, boy. Um, no, but I think it came from a place more of actually you would make a good yeah. director. Yeah, so you've, got, he, you've got an eye, John. Yeah, yeah. 
And so he he a flair for the dramatic. He essentially did. I'm skipping over a few years, years probably, but he um, directed a movie called Young Dragons and became the youngest film director in Hong Kong at that point. Mm-hmm. He signed on to Golden Harvest for three years. Oh, yep. They make a pump out a lot of movies. You're a Golden Harvest boy, aren't you? Yeah, Raymond Chow. Ninja Totals. Of course. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the first time I'd yeah. heard of it. Um, and he was fucking ecstatic because I got a job, I'm directing, I've signed on. And with the big, with the big boys? With the big boys, but he found himself trapped in making movies he didn't want to make. Okay. They were very comedy focused. He wanted to do dramas. He wanted characters. He wanted doves, he wanted doves flying. This is why the um, doves fly. <laughs> and he, um, he, fly? he left. Yeah. Doves fly. <laughs> so he, he leaves Golden Harvest. Yeah. Takes his doves. Takes his doves with him. <laughs> his suit jacket pocket. He meets an equally frustrated. He meets an equally, you know, he meets an equally frustrated um, movie maker. I think it was more of a producer guy, Toy Hark, and um, I wrote that one phonetically, so I wouldn't fuck it up. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they did. They together. They were like, let's just make our own shit. Let's stop making other people's shit. We keep signing on to these big studios, and they keep making us do shit we don't like. Let's actually do our thing. And they both loved a movie from the sixties called. Um, story of a discharged prisoner. And so they went to remake it. And it was more of a reimagining than a remake. And it was quite the game changer. I'll, I'll let I'll let uh, Mr. Wu and Mr. Hark talk about it here, but it's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, let's have a listen. Trey Hark, he encouraged me to put my true feeling and, 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 and to put my, you know, uh, uh, true um, uh, real experience in, into the character, into the scene. So this is sort of like a, a movie that we, we want to make because we, we, we put everything that we, we really love into the movie. And then uh, Choi Hak, he understood me uh, and he supported me. He was the only one who would uh, support me. We can call the movie Better Tomorrow for a reason actually is just because we really need a better tomorrow <laughs> because that period of time we were really in best shape in the industry. And he took the uh, responsibility as a producer, you know, and led me to direct a film. This movie was huge. Yeah, right. Better Tomorrow, starring Chow Yun-Fat. Yeah. Won all the Hong Kong Film Awards. Yeah. yeah. It broke all box office records. And this was him doing his shit, um, which is pretty cool. Very cool. And it was kind of the, the first, it kind of... Didn't create a new genre, but it evolved the genre. The yeah. the Hong Kong action movie, the revenge movie that in the past was fought through fists and swords, introducing guns. What has become popularized now is Gun Fu, which has been adapted by mm. The Matrix and 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 John Wick and other movies that yeah. don't have counter yeah. reeves in it. And <laughs> <laughs> he's killing it. He's making. He's pumping out his movies with Chow Yun Fat, a whole bunch of them. They they they're not all Chow Yun Fat, but you know he's doing great shit. He's got this kind of. Not a formula, but a, a definitely a style, like the slow motion shit. But there's always like a code and like a, a code he's, of honor he's, stuff. Yeah, and, he's got a lot of um, tropes. Yeah. He likes the Mexican standoff. Yeah. He likes the slow-mo. Yeah, the, which was new at the in. time. Yeah, yeah. It's been, kind it's of been bastardized. bastardized? Yeah. But it's like it's, it's been, played out, I guess, now. Yeah. But it was yeah. you forget how it was pretty fresh at the time. And um, at the age of 46, he decides to pack it up and go to the US. Him and his wife. Sold their apartment. 46. 46. They actually didn't have much money. I didn't get how it works over there, but he didn't have much money really. It's not like Hollywood where you make all these movies and you make 
you know, yeah. ridiculous amounts of cash. Minus. So he's basically putting it all on the line at 46. 46. <laughs> There's hope. Um, he's the Colonel Sanders of directing. Exactly, exactly. He's got secret herbs and spices that he's ready to deploy on mm-hmm. the world of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So him and his wife moved to the US but the culture shock was real. Oh, yeah, right. When I got to Hollywood, uh, all of a sudden uh, I feel like uh, uh, a stranger. Uh, the first thing is uh, uh, you should know how to speak. And, uh, for the uh, script meeting, you know, everybody talk a lot of the writers, you know, the, uh, the actors and producers, they talk uh, a lot, you know. The very opening shot will now be... And then they become my turn, you know, is that they were expecting me to, to make a long speech. Comedy shot, and then the, then the scene plays out very much the way... You know, I was saying that, and I didn't know what to say, you know. I just say, okay, I, uh, I just wanted to make a, a, a modern Western, you know. That was it, you know. <laughs> So the, the modern Western he was talking about there was the first movie he got hired to direct in the US, which was Hard Target, mm-hmm. starring our personal lord and saviour, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. And um, look, it didn't work out great. So he, Hard Target's a bit of a failure. Yep. Um, he didn't get to make the movie he wanted to make. Yeah. Some shit. Back to square one in terms to, of getting 100%. across. But then he gets an opportunity to make Broken Arrow with John Travolta and he's like, Christian Slater. Okay. Christian Slater and Christian that? Slater yeah, that's, yeah. is like, okay, I'm not going to go full woo on this. I'm not going to unleash the woo gonna, just yet. I'm going to make, I'm going to show. I'm going to enter the woo. I'm going to enter the woo. I'm going to make a traditional US action movie. Yes. Earn my stripes, get the trust. I wonder what he watched to, um, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. what where he's like, okay. What was the benchmark? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that'd be interesting. Um, and he did. And it was, I remember that movie. I watched that in cinemas, I think. And that did well. And, when this movie came along, you know, revert back to the origin story here, he's got full trust, empowerment to to unleash the woo, yep. enter the woo. But, yeah, that's that's a little story about woo. Yeah, nice. I got a story about John Travolta. Did we talk about him much yet? Ain't too much. He's an interesting guy. He's got an interesting story. He's pretty OG with the whole Scientology thing. He's been doing that since, like, 75. Well, they say he's been held hostage almost because the auditing they do, it's basically, it's almost like confession. Uh, and it's like they got dirt on him. That, yeah. That's what they say. Yeah, know? well, he, he's, you know, he's a colourful guy. He's lived a life. He has. He's got a few albums too. He was a, was he a bigger singer or I think it's from Greece. back in the time? Because I think it's of, off, the back, off the back of Greece. It's not very great. Did you see those I clips I sent through? I haven't watched them. Do you want me to play some clips? Uh, yeah, maybe play one. The second one I sent you. So this is him on some sort of varietal program that may well have been famous at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of your favourite television and recording stars, John Travolta. Check out his hair. Check out everything. This is an ear I'm glad I didn't enjoy. I disagree. He's not singing live. There's no microphone. There's nothing much I wanna do. He's yeah. And he's got like ten backup singers. Very nice. It's not. It's not great music. It's not. It's he's, quite horrible. He's no little little Joe Pesci. 
little Joey Shaw can sing. There's nothing to it. So one thing I did want to talk about uh, a little a little tidbit. Yeah. For John, he's had an interesting career. Few highs and lows, you would say. Yeah. Um, obviously, a sentimental, many highs and lows. Yeah, sentimental comeback was was pulp, was pulp fiction. The eighties weren't good yeah. for that kind to him. Um, most recently, did you see Gotti? Oh, uh, no. It it, uh, it, it, it tanked. Got, it tanked yeah. hard. Well, he also did that one where it's a movie directed by Fred Durst. From Limp Bizkit. Yeah. And it's, he's going all in, God bless him. Goodness. But it's a pile of junk, that movie. Apparently, I haven't watched it. I haven't even, even heard see, of but, it. See, that hmm. movie is a bad movie that may be enjoyable to watch. Yeah. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe not be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. So, Gotti, I haven't seen it, but um, this is my link back to my Rotten Tomatoes story. There was a scandal oh. on the old RT. So I'll pretty much read this verbatim because it's, uh, it's easier that way. This is off uh, the good people at Wikipedia. Mm, heard of them. So in, in relation to Gotti's, the film Gotti released, what, 2000, 2018, a couple of years ago? I think last year, last maybe. year maybe. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a recent film. Yeah. Um, in relation to a, a large disparity on Rotten Tomatoes between the audience approval score of eighty and zero percent for the critics um, during the film's opening That's weekend. So interesting. Um, since then, since June, they bought year, the reviews. Like a couple of weeks ago, the audience score was down thirty-five points to a score of forty-six percent. So I'll read this out. On June 19, Dan Morrell, also a Murrell, Morrell situation. Murrell, Carroll, Burrell. Murrell, Carroll, Burrell. Of screen junkies noted that disparity made no sense and suspected vote manipulation on behalf of the studio. Accusations against the production studio and marketing team increased after their release of marketing push suspected to be trying to hit back at the critics. So they basically hit out at the critics mm. in, in their comms and said – Campaign proclaimed to consumers to ignore the trolls behind a keyboard. The audience loves Gotti, but critics don't want you to see it. The question is why? Trust the people and go and see it for yourself. Wow. Oh, you know, like it's a, it's a manipulative, isn't it? Yeah, so the basically observers noticed the abnormally high numbers of – it had 7,000 reviews that weekend and things like The Incredibles 2, which smashed it at the box office – had 7,000 reviews, 600. Right. So 7,600. So basically had the same amount of reviews as, as a movie that smashed it. Which, yeah. Which, you know, was obviously doesn't make sense. <laughs> so basically yada, 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 bish, bash, bosh. So they buy them, you reckon? How does that work? Well, okay, Rotten Tomatoes staff issued a statement saying they didn't find any evidence of tampering, um, but all of the, you know, all the ratings and reviews were left by active accounts as of June 19th, 32 of the 54 written reviews were found to be from first-time reviewers on the site huh. and only written a review for Gotti itself. Yeah, okay. And 45 of the accounts were created that month. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, the interesting little tidbit, you know, often towards the end of the show, before we get into the, the verdict, I'd like to touch on the legacy a little bit. Mm. And we've touched on the legacy a little bit in terms of the influence of this film, Gun Fu and you know, that kind of stuff, uh-huh. Matrix. We wouldn't have a lot of modern action movies without without the John Woo influence. And, and, you know, the meme culture around Nicolas Cage. But one I didn't expect that may may surprise some friends of the show is potentially no The Departed without the face-off. 
because oh, apparently the, this, the guy yes. that made Infernal Affairs yeah. was inspired by this movie and said, okay, uh-huh. well, what if they didn't literally swap faces but they were both, yeah. you know, double whatever. Mm, that's right. I did um, see that. That's is, awesome. Yeah, which is the movie that, that The Departed is, is Korean based film? on. I think it's Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. So interesting little nugget there. Yeah. Have you ever seen Infernal Affairs? It's one of those ones I'm like, I really should watch that, shouldn't I? But I think it's a trilogy. It's a better name. It's a great name. It's a isn't fucking it? great name. Why wouldn't you just call it that? Word? I think it's can't. a trilogy, and like one of them was on Netflix, but it wasn't the first one. So I, yeah, I, yeah. But you should watch it. Right? I feel like it's. I feel like it's. How can you be? Yeah, yeah. We can't call ourselves a couple of guys with a couple of microphones if we haven't seen <laughs> Infernal Affairs. Exactly. Exactly. Let's get into it. Get into the verdict. Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Hey, it's a rewatch for me. <laughs> George, should we go through the steps? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go through. I'm not gonna go a whole spiel again on why I like no, it. Yeah, we, we definitely don't you, need I that. I think you get you get why I like it, but I think it's a pretty good movie. Um, let's get into some of our patented tests yeah. that really give a nice gauge of cultural relevancy. The first being, did Simpsons do it? And I would say yes, while overtly not calling it out. There is an episode in one of the later seasons that no one watches, season twenty-one, episode twenty-two. Um, a side so, the sideshow Bob saga continues where he escapes prison by taking the face off his cellmate. Oh. We'll play a little clip that perhaps adds a little context. Say, Bob, why do you keep measuring my face? <laughs> Just passing the time, donkey. Well, I guess it beats what the last guy did. <laughs> well, nighty-night. And nighty-night. I began by removing Walt's face. Five-second rule. That was the easy part. The hard part was removing my own face. Luckily, as Krusty's sidekick, I'd been hit with so many pies that my face had lost all sensation. Also, I thought... Simpsons still go home, man. Wrap it up, Simpsons. Well, that was season 21. That's still like 10 years old or something. Like that's Oh, really? Yeah, because it started in 89, I think. So, fuck, it's going forever. Um, Bechtel? Point, oh, okay. oh, we got different order, don't we? Sorry. Well, I wanted to. I should have left this one to last because in my mind it's anyone that's a no and it's the biggest surprise. Porn parody, a no. And I tried, I, I Googled many I, things. I found something. Did you? What? It's just two, two women in a... In a in a passionate sixty nine position, and it said face off. Okay, but well then it, it passes. I think that's a pass. Kind of. In which case, I think this may be the first all passes we've ever had. Does the mum and the daughter talk? No, but I've got an out for that. So, all right. What's your Bechdel? Porn parody Bechdel test. Technically, not really, but in the end, but William Gina, the child. There's some there's some women camaraderie because Gina Gershon saves Estelle Getty. Is she? Joan, what's her I can't name? Can't remember that bit. 
she in the fight that shoot not the final shootout because there's many final shootouts yeah, many. but in the in the church with the doves and stuff she pushes her down when she dies and says take care of the boy she's already saved the wife like she right. fully did it so I I give that a bit of Bechtel credit it's mm. it's not the same thing but fuck we don't get to pass them many off very often <laughs> so could we just give this one a pass because if you yeah, there's something there's some, Tristan I don't think you can take it upon yourself to there's a female bond there that's not dependent to on a man. Drop the Bechdel test standards. <laughs> no, what do you mean? It's set for a reason. I can't just mansplain my way out of it. No, <laughs> hell no. Okay, okay, okay. FX test, I give it a big fat yes. This is 1997, man. When they're massaging the face back on, it's yeah. fucking great. And there's good there's good use of um, live action yeah, good, and sparks. <laughs> good use of sparks, which leads me to um, explosions. Fuck yeah, lots of explosions. So many fireworks in that aircraft hangar. When are we going to add our new one? What's do, that? Do they say the title of the film in the movie? Oh, do they ever? They're facing off a lot in this. And I want to take his face off. Recasties. Recasties. Yours are better than mine, so I'll go first. I had Bradley Cooper and Christian Bale. Oh, that's good. I had a funny one and I forgot to write it down and now I can't remember. Arnold and Sly. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I had um Sam Rockwell and Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah, who's who? Doesn't matter. They're both both. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought about that too. And I, I thought about like, Jake Gyllenhaal. Because I got that from you because you had him, him as yeah. Conair and I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. And it, they both get attacked crazy at different points. So yeah, they could yeah. both be either. It doesn't yeah, really matter. I like it. Sam Rockwell's fast becoming your Tom Holland, may I say. Is he? Yeah. I only did it once before. Exactly. <laughs> Six Degrees of JCVD, John Woo, whatever. Uh, John Woo gets to direct I went the longer way. <laughs> okay. I went John Travolta was in Look Who's Talking Now with oh. Diane Keaton. Ah. Who was in First Wife Club, First Wives Club with Bette Midler, who was in Cats and Dogs 3D. With Roger Moore, it was in the quest with JCVD. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Not bad. It's an, you took the scenic route, which I always appreciate. I did it on the toilet. <laughs> MVP. I think I gave it to Cage. Yeah, I kept tossing up because I I had low expectations for Travolta, and I think he was awesome. Yeah, he was subtle, more subtle. But I think that prison scene, especially where he's awakening his <laughs> Cage. Yeah. Because if you break it down, that's Cage playing Travolta, playing Archer, playing Troy. Yeah. And he's like, all those mechanisms are happening. <laughs> yeah. And that face happening is like, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's epic. Low key, I gave Gina Gershwin. I didn't give a low key. Gershwin. Yeah. She's good. Yeah. She's always Why good. Why not? She had heart. I thought she gave this movie some heart. She always does. It's your boy. Always does. Take care of the boy. Um, although her, her passing her brother, I didn't realize that was a brother in this movie. Well, first I thought I they were ma- first I thought they were married. Yeah, and then and then later I think they said brother, and I was like, oh okay. Uh, but no, then they pa- kissed, and I was like, hang on a sec, I've got to check this. Apparently, that was their little improv. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 let's make this weird. Let's kiss. Maybe yeah. they just liked each other. Who knows? Maybe he looks like that guy on the cleaning bottle that I've seen in American. Yeah, there's things. not much hair going on. He's so yeah, but a big earring. Yeah. <laughs> pirate. Yeah. All right, well, should we wrap it up? Do you know what we're doing next week? No. I know what you did last summer. Oh. So stick around for that. We're hitting the horror genre again. I guess it's light horror. I don't know if it really counts. It's sort of also a teen movie. But 
It'll be fun. Leave us a review. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm right here. Come and get me. It's again for the Vino Corral. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Mr. Corral. And, of course, friends of the show, leave us a review if you have the time. We'd appreciate that. Um, Follow us on Instagram at Double Impact Podcast or on the Facebook with the similar such name or email us at Double Impact Podcast. No, doubleimpactpodcast.jbl.com. Thank you. Shout out Juniper Estates. Juniper Estates. Juniper. 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 Ju